Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. When you really, when you really are intentional about your training, intentional about what you want, intentional in every aspect of your life, like it, it changes. It changes. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Episode 141, and we have the great Isaiah Martinez, Imar, as he's known amongst the wrestling populace. One of the most powerful nicknames you're ever going to hear. Four-time NCAA finalist. As a freshman and sophomore, he was a two-time national champ. And last spring, he took the great Jordan Burroughs to the edge, pushed him to uh, the very final match in their best-of-three series and was barely edged out. He's one of the best the U.S. has to offer. And he recently took a coaching position at Oregon State. So he's back on the West Coast. We talk about that. We talk about his trip to Russia. He spent a month there with the great Brian Medlin. Just an awesome conversation. Really enjoy getting to meet Imar here. Fan of the week goes to Brady Storhog, a sales rep from Minneapolis. Brady, thank you for tuning in, my friend. I appreciate it. Folks, if you want to keep up with the podcast, follow us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life. Facebook, it's Wrestling Changed My Life. On Twitter, it's just my name, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner. And you can always see us at WrestlingChangeMyLife.com. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you all tuning in. And if you want to help support the show, just spread the word to your friends and family. On that point, if you're in front of your phone now, it would mean the world to us. If you gave us a five-star rating, a four-star rating, whatever you think we deserve, give us a review, though, because it helps bubble this podcast up to other folks that are searching for wrestling content. That's it. I've said my piece. Let's give it up for Imar. Peace. You're up in, you're in Oregon State. What went into taking this position? Um, oh, I mean, a lot of things. All right. So when, when, you know, CP got the job, it was, you know, exciting for me because me, me and Chris are from the same high school. Right. right? We went to the same high school. I grew up, you know, seeing his names on name on the board. And, you know, I've, I've worked with them, you know, in a very limited scope. I've been on trips with them. And when I would go out to Arizona state and train with, with the heat, you know, he was kind of, you know, over, over us and like seeing, you know, our, our training and stuff. And it kind of, you know, I think, you know, when I think about him and I think about my wrestling, like he's one of the most underrated technicians in, in the sport right now. Right. He, this guy really, really knows wrestling. So that was one aspect, right? Like I, 
I want to better my wrestling. So I, I, I want to go learn from someone that has a very good understanding of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And two, like I, I've, I've always wanted to be a coach. I never made that. I never made that a secret. Uh, you know, I love wrestling and it, you know, it is, it is my passion and, you know, essentially my life. So yeah. I, I want to make a career out of it. Uh, so, you know, there's that obvious connection right there with, with, with Chris. Um, and I'm from the West coast. I'm from California. So, Dude. you know, when, when, when the opportunity, when the opportunity came up as difficult as it was, it, it just kind of aligned everything. Right. It's, it's closer to home. It's, you know, it's around someone that I, that I, that I've had experience with and, and know and trust. Uh, and it's a place that really, that really supports wrestling. And that, that could be really, really good. You know, they have, they have all the support in the world here and they want to be good. That's, that's, that's the most important thing is like, they have the desire to be a good program, right. From the administration and the, the alumni and the donors and things like that, that is, that was crucial. So you know, the, it, it was it was a lot of things, and it was extremely difficult to leave Illinois because I love Illinois, and and the coaches have been have been great to me, and and you know it's been my home for the past eight years, but it was just kind of I think it was just kind of time to to move on. Yeah, that first one when you leave, kind of like your kind of like anytime you take your first job, whether whatever field it is, it's always the hardest to leave because like that those people are your, your family essentially, right? I mean, think about your change as a person from when you arrived in Champaign as a true freshman to now it's like night and day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it's hard yeah. to even compare it. Um, yeah, I remember when I first got to Illinois, it was, again, I'm from California. It was a, a whole culture shock, but I was just so, I was so excited to be a, be a part of a big 10 program and, and mm-hmm. be around other high level wrestlers. And it was, it was all new and it was all very, very exciting. And then, you know, kind of getting better in wrestling and, and making those bonds and, you know, serving my university and, and, you know, them progressing me, you know, it was just, it was everything about my experience was great. Dude, one of my favorite stories about your early years at Illinois is I think it was after your true freshman year, you wrestled Valencia in the world team trials. Mm-hmm. And I think he beat you. And this is like before you and Mark had a, like a talk about taking it seriously. I don't know if you remember this or not. Um, it was featured in the flow documentary, but you were like, yeah, Anthony, you know, I thought I was working hard. I wasn't. Anthony put the screws to me. Then afterwards, Mark had a conversation with me, and then it really changed my career. Yeah, I, mean, I think that he, uh, he didn't just beat me. He kind of, he kind of, he took it to me, right? And I'm never afraid to admit that. Like I get, I get beat all the time. But it was just the the way I got beat, and the idea behind. Like I really wanted to make this team. I really wanted to, you know go on and you know win junior world medal and the gold medal and all that i really really wanted it and i just it didn't happen for me right and you have to, yeah you start reflecting like why why did this happen you know you look at your training and i'm thinking of time like i'm i'm working extremely hard i'm dedicated i'm doing everything and then you have you know perry come come up to me and this is probably the one of the most important aspects of a, a coach and pupil like relationship is is trust and honesty right I think up to that point like it was he was honest but it wasn't it was not as brutal as it was at that point right like you sometimes you have to be brutally honest sometimes you got to have those painful conversations and and they sting but you know a lot of times it it makes you better in the end and and it really it really did it really kind of reshifted and like elevated the way i think about my own wrestling and the way i think about my lifestyle and everything 
that goes into being a good, a good wrestler. What were some of the things he said to you in that conversation? You know, it, it, a lot of it, a lot of it was more about focus, you know, mm-hmm. focus and, and just discipline and effort, right? Like it's, I know it's as, che- as cheesy as it is, but like when you really, when you really are intentional about your training and intentional about what you want and intentional in every aspect of your life, like it, it changes, it changes you and, and, and it, it creates kind of a path to success and there's always going to be the ups and downs and things like that. But if you're intentional about your desires and about what you want in this game and who you want to be, like that's, that's the first huge step to take is like taking everything seriously. Mm-hmm. And was it something where you were doing more workouts or just during the workouts you were going, pushing the wall back every time? You know, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I've said this before. I think about the way I used to train when I was first, you know, I was a, you know, going into my redshirt freshman year and I'm like, I can't believe I used to do those things. Like, yeah, I would, I mean, I was, what I would, would you do? I was killing myself. Every, I would like, you know, guys want to win practice. Guys want to score a bunch of takedowns. I was literally trying to score a hundred takedowns every single practice. I was trying to decimate my, my team teammates. And I feel bad. I feel bad because that's just kind of how I played the game at the time. Uh, but I was brutal. I was like, I was like a dog on a bone every single day. I was just trying to, you know, murder, murder myself and murder my opponent. Right. So, uh, I, I look back and I'm like, I can't believe, I can't believe I, I did that. And, but it was what I needed at the time. It was what I needed. It was what, it was that fearlessness to take those risks that, you know, kind of brought me, brought me to like the, the problems in my, in my game and, and let me address them. Right. So like I would take like a thousand shots a day and Jesus, you know, dude. no, not a thousand shots, but you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Yeah. I would, I would take so much risk that, you know, if there was any issue in my game, I would find, I would find out and I would address it right away. And that's a situation where it sounds like you also weren't afraid of being tired anymore at that point. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the, the one thing that a lot of wrestlers struggle with is, is the fear of being tired. And it, I don't think it ever goes away <laughs> that, you know, that, that fear of getting tired. I, like, you, if you know, you're not in a great shape, like that's that's hitting that wall is always uh, a major major fear, and it causes it causes the, that you know cortisol and anxiety to spike before you even step on the mat, which leads to worse performance. But what I did, I was just like, I don't, I didn't care how tired I got. I was gonna, I was gonna not win. I was gonna dominate and score however many takedowns until I was satisfied. And I was rarely ever satisfied with myself at practice and. I, I was I was so hard on myself when I when I was younger that I couldn't I couldn't believe that uh, that I did that. But you know, as I've gotten older, I realize it's not a very sustainable way. But like at the time, to get to that first that first big hurdle or that first level, you know, being a national champ was just kind of what I had to do. And like, would you go into practice thirty minutes out? Were you getting yourself hyped up and setting practice goals for yourself before each one? Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't set goals. I think, I think I just had one overlying goal before I got to practice, you know, be ready, make sure your mind is ready, warm up hard. And you're gonna, you're just going to crush everyone in front of you. <laughs> like it wasn't specific. It was just like, you're just going to go out there and you're going to kill everyone. You're going to score a hundred takedowns and you're going to, you're just, and, 
And when, and when you have sprints at the end, you're going to go so hard, you're probably going to throw up. You, you get over it now. And I, and I did. I would throw up almost every single day at practice. I think just from like straining so hard and holding my breath that uh, I was a notorious puker. So you're telling me it would not be a surprise if you threw up at least three times a week. No, I mean, you could ask any of my teammates that it was, it was, um, it was a common occurrence. I was, <laughs> it didn't, and it didn't matter how good of shape I was in. It, I would still get there every single time. I just knew there was always that, like, that one hurdle that would push you right, me right over the edge, and then I'd be, I'd be gone. I'd be on the trash can. Dude, that's a, that's a place most people never get to once in their life, and you were going there several times a week. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, you know what? I've had to pull it back as I've gotten older. <laughs> Again, uh, as, I've, as, you know, as I've you know, grown in the sport, I've learned to become a better wrestler, not just a, just, not just a machine or, like, impossible to get tired or just the strongest. You know, I'm, I want to I wanna be great at wrestling, you know, and growing my knowledge. So right. uh, that's, that's kind of switched a little bit. But I still get there sometimes. I mean, when uh, Coach Madeline would put me through, like, a farlic run, I would I'd be over a trash can every, every time. What's a farlic run? Um, it's like, it's like a, a, a time – it's like a timed run where you would, it would – you'd have intervals of sprinting and then jogging and then sprinting and then jogging for an extended period of time around a track. Okay. So like it would be like 15, okay, 15 seconds off, five seconds sprint, you know, 10 seconds sprint, uh, 10 seconds off, you know, 15 seconds sprint, five seconds off. Right. And it, it would just, it would just change and it would keep you on your toes every time. And I've never been more exhausted in my entire life. How long does that go on for like 10 minutes or? <sighs> it really depends it depends on where you're at and you in your in your training like you know phase and with with periodization everything uh earlier on it's a lot longer uh but as you get closer to competition you get closer it it's much much shorter more much shorter intervals of sprints and longer rest time dude medlin is a fascinating cat isn't he he is oh he's amazing i just uh just connected with him last week but for a long time heard of him from afar that he's like this philosopher guy and he's asking math questions while you're working out it's like dude this is is this fact or fiction about this guy you know i don't know is it true he does that he definitely does well i mean we do we'd be on the aerodyne and he'd be like what's the square root of 169 or whatever and you know you're having to make your you're having to make your brain work (laughs) while you're trying to shut your brain off and just go Right. And I, he reads, he reads a lot of studies and articles. And I think, you know, that's what I think I, I, that's what I like about him too. In the wrestling room is he's like, kind of like a scientist a little bit, like he'll come in and like, okay, we're going to try this, see how you guys like it. And, you know, he's, he's always in the process of refining himself as a coach as well, like, like us as athletes. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's easy to like someone like that, that, that is hungry for, for knowledge and that's constantly trying to better himself in the sport. Did you know him before he came into like your first practice? I'll actually, uh, so I did a camp for him down in Washington when I was like a sophomore. And I remember just, cause I didn't really know him at this time. I only knew him from like stories. Uh, from, <laughs> and he's coming in and I didn't really, really understand how he like assesses technique and like the faces. He's got kind of a stern face when he's trying to focus. Yeah, and, it does. And uh, he's actually, 
super nice guy. He's just kind of got a stern face sometimes. Uh, I was doing like, he was like, can you show the guys like your underhook offense? And I'm like doing like my underhook offense and trying to explain it. And I look over at him and he's just like looking at me and like, he got this real stern face and like all I could feel is like, like being ashamed. I'm like, he probably, he probably thinks this is terrible technique. And I, and I, I don't ever, I don't, I never said anything about it until like he came over and he's like, no, I was just trying to, just trying to break down your techniques. Uh, And he was asking me a lot of questions and I'm like, does he think this is a terrible technique? And I mean, I didn't really know him, but. uh, You're in your head about it. You're tripping about it. And then years later you bring it up. Yeah, he's like, no, I was just trying to trying to really understand what you were doing. Dude, that's hilarious. He does have that face. Um, his good friend and coaching, Mike Powell, who coaches up in Chicago, Chicago area, they both have this very intimidating look to him. And unless you know them, you're, I was terrified of him for years when I'd see him at like freestyle tournaments. He used to have the big beard. And um, now you guys just went to Russia. Talk about that experience and what what you guys were doing over there for a month. Obviously, you were wrestling, but where were you staying at? Uh, who were you training with? Uh, so I w- we were in Vladikoskov at the, the academy there. It's just a big, it's like a big compound, like a wrestling compound where you stay in dorms and you wrestle, you know, they had, they had their like, uh, what is it? The Osatian national team. Okay. Yeah, you have guys from Georgia coming and, you know, uh, Azerbaijan and, you know, just great world-class wrestlers are there. Uh, and we, I li- basically lived there for three, three weeks and we just trained and they, they would feed you down in, you know, in the kitchen and everyone would eat together. And, you know, we're, we're, we're the only English speakers there. And so we're, we're kind of limited in, in our communication, but, you know, we were, we were there to wrestle and that was kind of things. And they were very warm and very, you know, accommodating for us because we were wrestlers and it was something that connected us as far, as far as, uh, you know, like was it their practices or your practices that you guys were doing? Uh, it was their practices. Got it. So you just joined so, in on that? Yeah, we were just joined in, right? We'd all line up and they'd they'd like speak in Russian and they'd ask, they'd ask us like to count off and when they would get to us, I'd be like, I don't know, and then they would count for me. Uh, but as far as partners, you couldn't you couldn't have better partners in the world, right? You know, uh, Sadakov, Sabalov, uh, Kinchkazi, uh, and I'm probably forgetting a bunch of other guys, but the, here's, here's the really, really good thing about it. The real important thing is you will have, you know, a dozen guys at the same weight and they're all world-class wrestlers. And mm. some of these guys may never, ever see the light of day because, you know, these other, the, you know, Russia's so big and, and, you know, only a handful of them ever get to make it out or make a team. But these guys are all within one, two points of the very best guys in the world. You know? <laughs> You know, so like these guys can wrestle and, and there's a dozen of them at your weight. And every single day you're wrestling someone that is world-class caliber, that is, has been wrestling for 15, 20 years of their life and have wrestled freestyle and understand, you know, what world-class technique is and, and, you know, things like that and training. And, you know, they, they have the aspirations to make the team just as much, but a lot of them don't ever don't ever get to make the team, but they're still ju- just as good. It's crazy. It blows my mind thinking about it. And so you're you may be going with a guy who you don't even know who he is, and he's giving you good goes. Yeah, oh, better than more than good goes, like scoring takedowns and stuff on you. Like, <laughs> Dude, isn't that freaking ridiculous? And that's only that's only Osetia. You got Dagestan and Chechnya too, all mm-hmm. within that area. It's like crazy. How how are there? 
just walk us through a practice. How is it different from one you would do uh, here in the States? Like what's the warm up like technique drilling? Okay. So there's no such thing as drilling. Right. And oh, the, the, like the mechanical, like, okay, I'm gonna put my hands on the inside. You grab my elbow. We're going to go. Right. And like very like, you know, mechanical kind of way of moving. There is none of that. So at the beginning of practice, you all line up and there's, I don't know, there's probably 80 of us in there. Cause it's this whole, this whole wrestling area is huge. It's probably like eight mats. So there's, there's, there's probably about a hundred of us. Um, and we all line up and you know, they, they do their address and I don't, you can't understand what they're saying. Cause they're speaking right. Russian. I don't speak Russian. Uh, and then they pick the guy, whoever's going to lead the warm up, And then you just, you start jogging around and, and they really, really, you know, take the time to do a good warm up. Right, warms are like 25, 30 minutes long sometimes. Right, you're doing, <laughs> you're doing like you're doing like crab walks and hand walks the entire time. And uh, after that, it was like I think the most the most common practice was four situations of sparring, and then two matches every single day. So four four situations of sparring, whether it be a chest wrap. Uh, front headlock, uh, quad pod, and uh, you know one other one other one that was really important was like leg lace, right? Okay. Like leg lace and gut wrench. Like it was it was an emphasis, right? Like you're gonna let this guy get a lock, and then we're we're gonna sp- spar. So does Sometimes, it just mean live or what? Like live situations from like a gut wrench? So it was very progressive okay. in the way the sparring worked. The sparring started off real light. And, you know, towards the end of, you know, the eight minutes or however many, however long we were doing each situation, it would progressively get more and more intense. And then it would, then it would taper down and then you would start the new, new position and it would start off real light, <laughs> and it'd, go, it'd go up and then it'd stop and then go, you know, it would, it would do that for like four situations. And then you would have a pretty long break, like 10, 15 minute break. And then you would do your two matches and I, I know, I know, you know, as an American, you, you look at that and you're like, that's not that much wrestling. Right. Like, but you have to understand you're wrestling world-class guys the entire time. Mm-hmm. Right. So like two matches, two matches, you know, three times a week it, with world, other world-class wrestlers is extremely taxing. So it's every other day even. It's not even every day. Oh, uh, no, it's not. You don't wrestle matches every day. Gotcha. Right. So you would, you would wrestle Monday, Tuesday, you would do we would do two a day sometimes where the morning practice was, you know, more kind of technique work. And then the but later not even then, but not even then it wasn't like a structured drill. So the thing is, yeah, there's no thing as structured drilling. If you want, if you wanted to drill and you had a question on technique, you, you did it after practice. And there was, there was guys that would stay two hours after practice, just jump roping, pull ups, doing things like that. And they would go talk to their, talk to their coaches and then get the technical advice. The, I think you know what I really liked, and I I know this is not so un-American in the way they in the way that they do it. There, if you wanted to know more about wrestling, you have to you as an individual have to go ask the coaches to work with you after practice. But when we're at practice, you're doing what the coach says, and you're doing you're sp- you're sparring and figuring it out for yourself. And I think that's you know as you when you're young, not not it's probably not the best, but as you get a lot older, you know, late teen years and and you know, early twenties, that's the best way to go about it. Learning to figure it out for yourself. And then if you can't, then you go ask. For sure. And it, it forces you to be self-aware enough to know where you need the help. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it forces you to like assess your own wrestling. Like, okay, you can only get chest wrapped so many times before you're like, okay, this is an issue. You know, and <laughs> you won't be surprised how many times you will get crotch lift before you're like, hmm, I should probably do something about this. Right. Maybe a dozen, 20 times. I don't know. It takes me a long time. What about, uh, what about weightlifting and running? Do you see any of that action over there or they're not about that? They don't necessarily have great weight equipment. <laughs> uh, you know, so a lot of pull-ups, a lot of jump ropes. They have a couple treadmills, they, and they, but they would never run very fast. It was like more – they would wrestle. They, you yeah. know, they're wrestlers, and, and that's the way they would get better at wrestling. And uh, I think it's good and bad. It just depends on your, on your body type, right? I think it depends on, you know, your, the gifts you were given, right, and, and what you can accentuate. Like a lot of Americans, we do a lot of – weightlifting and I love weightlifting you know I'm a power wrestler and that's a very that's a very important aspect of my wrestling but uh, for a lot of those guys that thrive under that system you know they're not they're not the power lifters but they have incredible uh they do a lot of bands and I, I think what it does is it's just it just conditions those little muscles in the shoulder mm-hmm. and they take you know so many shots and they do so many sprawls and though that's the real emphasis Right. And and I think it just creates a, a great endurance in, in those like, you know, split second situations. You know, they're not going to be the strongest and they're not going to. And maybe that's probably why, you know, a lot of them gas. Yeah. But uh, I think it's kind of worked out for them. Oh, dude, to say the least, their metal count is ridiculous. They uh, I did a, a audio documentary on Gable last year and one of the parts was on him wrestling the Russians and they had won like every world championship from like 1968 through 1991 under the Soviet Union then after that you know pretty much every one it's like their track record is incredible and it, it, it just speaks to the lifestyle you know they live it they live wrestling that's that is their you know I fish a lot that's my hobby right mm-hmm. wrestling is their their hobby and their profession Right? It's what they do. It's yeah. the life they live. Their life revolves around their practices, their wrestling, you know, and I think a, a lot of times here, which I'm not saying it's bad, but here in, in the States, you know, we have a lot going on, you know, there's a lot, it's very easy not yeah. to, to wrestling be the center of your world. And, and there's times when it shouldn't be, and there's times when it should be, but over, over there, like it's, it's a whole, it's a whole family thing. Everyone knows wrestling. Everyone's around wrestling. It's just, mm-hmm just the lifestyle there well even here like even if you're talking about focusing on wrestling here you could also mean coaching like they're not coaching you know being a college coach is one of the most demanding jobs there is in terms of time and calls and all that i am just you are absolutely right i'm just learning that i'm always on my phone and always on my laptop now uh it's it's just been a lot very busy for you know because we're, we're just starting here and uh, but i love it because it's wrestling it's wrestling 24 7 it's all it's always wrestling so right you know at the end of the day, even though I am tired and there are a lot of obligations, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm doing it, you know, because it is wrestling. Uh, but like, yeah, like you were saying, they don't coach over there. Um, right. To balance both would be like ludicrous to them. Like they wouldn't even consider that. You don't even have to balance school. That's the crazy thing. You know, like you got potential. You're going to night. You have like eight year olds going to night school. Dude. They do their workouts. They do their workouts in the morning and midday. And then they go to school at night. <laughs> and just stop going to school a lot of times did you think of- but it's it's i think it's pretty cool I, I was asking questions about it like because you would see kids you would just see kids like walking around in the middle of the day like during school hours <laughs> like, where, 
when do you guys go to school? And they're like, oh, we have night school. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, what were the meals like over there? What were you guys eating during the day? Uh, a lot of dill. A dill. lot of dill. It's, a, it's a, like a herb. Okay. 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 I'm with you. I'm, I thought you meant dill pickles. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, yeah. It's, uh, it's, like, it's like a little like, leaf. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of just homemade meals, right? Like, so they did, you know, I said this to, to Coach Medlin. I was like, man, I am so soft because I won't even eat a fruit now that, that has seeds in it. And when we're over there, everything has seeds and everything has bones in them. I'm like, I don't even want to eat because I, it's too much work to take the bones out of this, you know, chicken soup. <laughs> whatever i'm like man we've we've grown so soft i won't even eat a grape it has if it has seeds in it you know like <laughs> dude we got it good dude if we got that, that's that's like the biggest first world first world problem i got a I got a seed in my fruit <laughs> yeah, my, this my whole experience is ruined now dude there that's just a hard group over there and you think about if there's that many good dudes who are good at wrestling how many dudes over there could be like ufc champs if they just had the money and the opportunity I mean, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Kind of, you kind of hit it on the head with that one. There's those guys, those guys, you know, it, it does make you feel very grateful to have the opportunity and to have the resources right. you know, that some people don't have around the world. You know, it'd be crazy. It'd be crazy. Like if they had an infrastructure that, you know, allowed, allowed for that path, it would be, it'd be very, very bad for the United States. <laughs> it would. Um, no, I, I appreciate you sharing that thoughts about that trip because I was, I was super interested in coming into it and this is really the last thing I want to talk to you about is transitioning to coaching when was your first year on the staff like is this your first job now or were you an assistant at Illinois as well I was the volunteer uh, okay. so does that involve like a lot of day-to-day coaching or more so just wrestling with guys in the room more more so just wrestling recruiting making calls doing stuff like that mm-hmm. um but, you know, now with being on staff, I, it, it has stepped up, right? And and I would kill just to be in a practice right now. Right. right? I haven't been able to wrestle and I, I can't even tell you how long. Right. That That's that's the fun part. That's the easy part. And that's what that's what I'm looking forward to when I get back. I mean, I got to get surgery, so I'm going to be out for a while. But right. uh, I just want to be around the guys and be on the mat. Uh, but, yeah, this is this would be technically my third year of coaching. Um, my first year on staff. So, yeah. What have you, uh, what have you picked up just in the few years being removed? Cause I, I always thought it was interesting when people get into coaching, they go, Oh my God, I wish you knew this, this, and this when I was wrestling. Fortunately for you, you still are wrestling. Um, and you've been, like you said, three years under your belt. What are some things that stick out to you? Like, and this wasn't that big of a deal or, or I should have been focusing on this more. As far as coaching. Yeah. Like what have you noticed being a coach that you wish you knew when you were a wrestler or what things have really stuck out to you? You know, I, uh, you know, how hard it is to be like brutally honest with guys. Like it hurts. It hurts to be, <laughs> it hurts to be mean to your guys sometimes. Like, cause like you, you care about them. And, and, you know, as an athlete, I was always like, you know, you need to tell me the truth because like, that's what I value. Be honest with me. And because, you know, there's an understanding. We both, we both want to do, you know, good things. I want, I want to, you know, win whatever and you want me to win whatever that's that's the baseline understanding so i need the honesty from you you know as i be- became a coach like it's hard not everyone's like me you know and right. not everyone's like uh not everyone's gonna be a superstar and that's that's okay that's great you know some some of the best guys i've known were you know guys that never saw the saw the lineup 
Um, I think it was just, you know, balancing that, not, not again, like, you know, wrestling is, is my life. Right. And that's, and it's my passion. And there are, there are some, there are some guys that want to go on and do different things. And uh, I have to balance, balance like a way to reach those kind of guys. Now it's easy to reach the guys that want to be the best wrestler ever, you know, like that, that's, that's the easy part. It's being relatable and reaching the guys that no, maybe wrestling isn't their entire life, but getting them to buy in into the program, into the idea and to being better men. Right. And, and getting them to understand if, if you just, you know, you kind of do the right things, it's going to pay dividends for the rest of your life. Right. But you can't, you can't, you can't be like, hostile about that because then that makes you <laughs> yeah it's like a, a lot of coaches will come out right away just in like just the small high school ranks around where i'm from you see them kind of being angry coaches at the beginning and then they kind of mellow out you know over the over the next you know five to ten years so to speak yeah you kind of i think uh luckily you know you know i'm pretty i'm a pretty relaxed guy now um so i'm not because I'm still an athlete. Like I, I have, I have an understanding, like I can level with a lot of the guys. Like I get it, man. It's hard being a, it's hard being a wrestler. Like it sucks sometimes just waking up early when you, when you're sore and stuff like that. So like I have that understanding. So I'm not too far away from the game where I'm, where I'm angry and I'm like, you should do everything. Like I, I say, you should be like me, things like that. Like I understand, I celebrate the differences in our athletes and it's good. It's good for a team dynamic. Uh, but yeah, I'm still close to, I'm still a wrestler too. So like, it's for sure, to be, you know, compassionate. When that was the last thing I wanted to ask you about is I've heard you say that you were really feeling good about the two, the 2020 trials in that you, you kind of had that feeling in you, like things were bubbling up and really getting to the kind of the right point, both mentally and physically. When was the first time you heard that things were going to be canceled or postponed and kind of how to talk, take, take us through that process. Yeah, uh, I think I started reading the writing on the wall, you know, once the NCAAs got canceled, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, there's no way, there's no way that they're going to, you know, you hope you're like, cause you're like, man, you're, you're getting really wound up and like, you know, you're, it's just building and building and building and you're feeling good about yourself and everything's just going right in your training and you've been doing the right things and you just, you could just see it for yourself. It's right there. You see it for yourself. And you know, things outside of your control, you know, and it was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. but things outside your control, you know, kind of take it away. And, and it, it, it was, it was a bummer. Like uh, there's no, there's no better way to put it than it was. It was just, it sucked. Yeah. But I started seeing that, you know, I was, I figured that they were going to do it probably when they canceled the NCAA. I was like, there's no way they're going to, they're going to continue this. But I st- I, we were still training up to the point when they, like, postponed it. Being in that limbo was not fun, though. That's brutal. I mean, you couldn't even work out at the universities, right? Oh, yeah. Once NCAAs got canceled, we could no longer work out there. So what were you doing? Uh, we, were working, we were working out at uh, Poeta's gym uh, in Muhammad. Nice. No, I don't know if you, uh, you, and the, you and the wife are in there drilling snapdowns, go-behinds, or, or anything like that. So eventually, uh, they, so they would do rent, they were doing rent forgiveness for, for the facility, but they were like, if you guys are in there, we will not forgive rent. You'll have to still pay rent. Right. So we had a, we had a, we couldn't no longer work out at Poetas either after a while. 
Oh shit. Yeah. So I just started working out at home. Yeah. And like you said, uh, I was, I was like drilling with Anissa, like, come here, slap a collar time. And I just need to watching like film and just trying to, <laughs> trying to keep myself engaged in any way I could. It's, I mean, what, how could you even get close to the kind of output you were doing in a gym, like in your house? I mean, there's no way. I mean, what were you doing? Just like work, like running and jump roping and shit like that? Yeah, jump roping. You know, I had the Bulgarian bags, I had bands, but you're right. No, the output was different. So, you know, I had to put that effort in mentally, right? Like I had to, I had to step up my, my film watching. I had to, you know, keep, like I said, keep myself engaged all day about wrestling not just not just for you know those six hours or however long um my training day was it was it was trying to engage myself all the time just to keep myself in it right like right. remember it's so easy it's so easy just to be like ah i'll do it tomorrow you know what whatever i'll do it later so it, w- it was it was about focusing on just keeping myself engaged and keeping myself around it yeah, that diet starts to slip. It's real easy, man. Oh gosh, I can't even tell you. I'm uh, I'm prepping for surgery right now, and I haven't been able I haven't been able to work out in like two or three weeks, and it is it's hard to keep your weight under control <laughs> when, you're not, when you're not working out. And I don't got the best genetics for for you know maintaining good weight. Are we talking twenty over plus or minus twenty over right now? Ooh, I'm probably walking around right now like one. I'm I'm gonna say 180. Hey, it's me. You could you can be honest with me here. No, I'm kidding. I'm gonna say 180, but I I'm afraid that it might be you know two or three pounds more than that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we'll call it 185. <laughs> Dude, that's um that's funny. Well, I was looking forward to seeing you out there. Uh, my brother and I had tickets, and obviously none of that happened. So. Wanted to, wanted to get your thoughts on it because I know you were right in the freaking mix of, of making that team, man. I mean, I was really looking forward to seeing you in there. And obviously next year, too. Do you have plans after 2021, or is that a wrap for you competitively? Oh, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compete for – you know, I'm hoping my body holds up. That's the, kind of, that's the thing that is the hardest about the sport is, you know, I never had – this is my first surgery. You know, mm-hmm. I was always a guy that pushed through injuries and – you know, so that's been the a big focus now is like take care, taking care of my body. And as long as as long as I feel good, I'm gonna do it until until I can't do it anymore. Because, you know, I I believe I have the, I have the potential and I have the talent to be, you know, a, a world team member and a gold medalist, right? And that's that's something that I've always wanted. So I'm gonna do it until I can't do it anymore. There's no question you do. And you think about if you train like those Russians, is that gonna impact how you train going forward? Knowing if that's what they're doing over there. Well, so I took a, so that's kind of a big thing with my wrestling now is like just collecting knowledge, just like always mm-hmm. trying to learn, 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 learn and grow, you know, and that, that's, that's been, you know, invaluable as, as I've not, as I'm like prepping for surgery and knowing that I'm going to be out for a while, I get to just think about how I'm going to prepare. I get to get to think, plan out, collect information, and then, you know, have all this stuff. And then I get to try it when I get to finally get back on. But no, so with with the Russian, you know, training system, I'm hoping to take it and you know show it to show it to our guys here at Oregon State and yeah. and implement that because I think college wrestling is way way too long of a season, you know. And if you would have asked me this, you know, four years ago, I'd have been like, "You're crazy. It's perfect." But 
you know, you get older and you like realize like, no, it's so hard on their, these guys' bodies. It's ridiculous. Uh, and, and so you're going to implement that in your own coaching. Will you do that with your own workouts too, though? You know, knowing that you're going to be six months from now training again, do you see yourself moving to that situational wrestling two matches every other day kind of thing? Well, we kind of, we kind of already did that at the IRTC. Nice. Okay. That was, that was just kind of our training like a uh, model. Medlin's ahead of the curve already. I should have known. No, he's, 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 he will never say it about himself, but he's, he's pretty, he's pretty smart guy. He's, he's awesome. The other guy uh, there I had to ask you about, Mike Poeta. He described your first work. I had him on last week, and uh, he was describing your guys' first workout. I need you to corroborate this here, all right? He said that someone in the locker room asked you, like, who would, be, who would beat so-and-so in a match? Would you beat uh, Poeta or not? And the kid's like, nah, Poeta would get you. And then during the next workout, you just laid it on him, and we're looking over at the guy and your teammate, like, stuffing his no. head them back. <laughs> That was, I think, Nikita. Uh, it and, was Nikita, yeah. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> think so. I'm a pretty competitive guy, right? But I'm not – it's weird. I'm not, I'm not very competitive outside of wrestling. Mm. You know, as, as an individual, I don't think I'm very competitive. But when it comes to wrestling, like, I will never go out there and not try to win. You know, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to win when I get out there. Like, win, like, win at all costs and not you – know, say that you know cautiously but like really i'm trying to i'm just trying to win and yeah i mean if if i had the opportunity i would have did it but you know it's funny because mike you know when he when he first got to illinois he was still really really good like really really fast and like he could he could scrap he'd beat 99 percent of the guys on the team i bet you right now he'd still beat most of the guys on the team like not not easily but he would he would probably control. He's still a good wrestler. Like he still knows his stuff. How does he compare to wrestling Mark Perry? Uh, Perry was different in the way that he was just a weird by long body kind of guy. Um, Mark was more like calculated and like he would like trap you, cradle you, things like that, like lay traps for you. Like you would shoot on him and he would, he would sit the corner real fast. Mike is more offensive in that he'll shoot he'll she can still shoot really really good <laughs> you know what i mean like we're talking about him like he's 70 he's like 35 <laughs> i'm with he's had several surgeries you right know I mean? right he, and he wasn't wrestling at a high level when he was you know coaching uh at his club right so he was That's away a big difference time, right like he was wrestling high school guys but that, that i think that kind of just goes to show like how good of a wrestler he actually was like he was able to go from that to being right back in the room and uh, as I, uh, you know, my last couple of years, we, we kind of stopped wrestling each other so much because I would, you know, I was, I, I'm a hard guy to train with sometimes because I'm pretty, I'm pretty physical. So uh, before I left, we would, we would only sparsely wrestle every now and then. And he would always give a good go. He, he was a, I'm from Illinois. He was the man growing up, dude. Mike Poeta was just He's the legend. shit, dude. Legend. Yeah. As are you, my friend, all-time winning wrestler at Illinois. Uh, being an Illinois guy, it means a lot to have you on the show. Really appreciate you making some time. Excited to see what you guys do out there at Oregon State. Wish you nothing but the best, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner as well as our website, wrestlingchangemylife.com.
Take care, y'all.